welcome to episode 28 of the Rochester Club 476 podcast. I'm your host, Jake Marshan, and this show includes speeches given by me and my fellow Toastmasters at our club in Rochester, New York. We meet every two weeks, and this episode is from our meeting on June 8th, 2023. If you're not a member of Toastmasters, I hope this podcast helps you see the value that these clubs bring. To put it simply, Toastmasters clubs are individual groups that come together to assist each other with public speaking. Some do it to help them in their career, and some do it for personal reasons. And Toastmasters is international with around 15,000 clubs in over 140 different countries. As usual, I'm going to get right to the episode. If you want to learn more, you can listen to the intro episode of this podcast or go to the show notes for a direct link to the Toastmasters website to find a club that's local to you. This episode is a unique one per the request of the speaker. They asked me to speed up the speech so that he could be respectful of the listener's time but still get his message across. That is why there is a separate podcast from the same date as the last episode. So without further delay, here is Mr. Tom Polito with his speech titled, The Fatuous Obscurity of Best Interests. This podcast tonight is about the hazy, nefarious phrase that child custody practitioners use all the time best interests. What does that mean? If you're a new attorney that doesn't do child custody cases, or you're a party that's involved in a child custody case, best interest seems like it could be almost anything. It's strictly defined in the case law. I'll give you four or five factors that are used on a regular basis for determining best interests. These factors, number one of which is called the continuity and stability of the existing custodial arrangement. Forget I even said that. (laughs) Status quo. What have the parents been doing? Who gets the child on the weekends? Who takes the child for dinner on Wednesday nights? Who goes to the doctor with the child? What's the status quo? The appellate division calls that a weighty factor, meaning look at that one close, because that's important. What they've been doing, supposedly, is good for continuing to do that. Number two relative fitness of the parents and their ability to address the children's emotional, psychological, educational needs. What's that second factor? Think of this. Two hunters are walking in the woods and a bear starts chasing them. And the one hunter turns to the other hunter and says, you think we can outrun this bear? And the hunter turns back and says, bears can run twice as fast as the fastest human being. There is no way we can outrun this bear. I'm just trying to outrun you. (laughs) It doesn't matter how good or bad the parents are. The relative fitness of the parents means the parent that's just a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit more suited, patient, ability to deal with the child's needs, whatever those things, and the relative fitness of the parents. Whether it comes to the the child's educational needs, the child's social needs, the child's emotional needs, it's the parent that overall is able to do those things just a little bit better than the other parent. A third major factor is child's desires. Who does the child want to primarily reside with as a part of it? Well, I asked the child, and the child unequivocally told me he wants to live with daddy. Oh, you did? Yes. I even asked him, are you sure? Wants to live with daddy. You want to live with daddy, right? Yes. How old is the child? Five. Okay, so 
we always have to consider the wishes of the child. But when a child is particularly young, until they become adolescent age, their wishes are considered but not given as much consideration as when they get older. Think of it as a, as a slanted line, where as they get up to 18, their wishes are given more and more and more consideration. So the wishes of the child are always considered, but they're not always followed. Among the other factors are the need for consideration of the child's special needs. If the child has some issues, medical issues, or has some educational issues, some special needs, handicaps, which parent is able to better deal with that more. And then also the need for siblings to be kept together, half siblings and siblings. You can't have two kids. One spends the weekends with dad, the other spends the weekdays with mom, and then you swap them because they'll never know each other. And the, what the law says is long after the parents are gone, that these siblings and half-siblings need the support, love, and caring of their siblings throughout life and as they become adults. So that's why we try to keep siblings together as much as we possibly can. There's a few other factors that are considered on an ongoing basis, and I'll tell you the secret factor. Statutorily, there's a factor called domestic violence, and it has to be where there's a finding of domestic violence and where there's a pattern of behavior. Domestic violence is considered before 2009, but after 2009, they said to the courts, consider domestic violence and tell us how you considered it. Because the judges were saying we considered it without explaining how they considered domestic violence. The data on that is that if there is a perpetual domestic violence perpetrator who gets custody, statistically those children, if male, will become a perpetrator themselves when they become adults because that's what they've seen model and that's what they do when they become adults. And the females will become domestic violence victims typically for another abuser. And that's why founded domestic violence is considered and how it's considered. Now the secret factor. The secret factor according to the case law is in evaluating the parents, which is the parent that's more likely to give contact to the children to the other parent? In other words, who has the willingness to put their own best interest aside, adult best interest aside, and look out for the kids and their need to have a relationship with the other parent? It's considered sometimes the secret factor. It's sometimes a tipping. If everything's even, that might be the tipping point as to what gives the other parent the benefits. Here's the conclusion. Now you know what best interests are, the traditional factors. It can be anything. You can add anything as a part of that list, but that's the traditional list of factors we talk about when it comes to best interests of a child. It's your job to look at that list and come up with the facts that support your side of the case and explain those facts as a part of best interest factors that the courts are required to apply. Mr. Toastmaster. Great job, Tom. Thank you for the educational speech and for being willing to share this one on the Club 476 podcast. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed Tom's speech as much as I did. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, the best ways to support are to either go ahead and leave a review where you are listening or share the podcast with someone who would also enjoy listening. If you'd like to give any feedback to Tom, I will leave my email in the show notes, and I'll make sure to forward your message on to him. If you're interested in learning more about Toastmasters, just head to toastmasters.org, and I'll leave a link in the show notes for you as well. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time on the Rochester Club 476 podcast.